0: If there's an opportunity that comes along and it's not quite right for you, or even if it is, I think sharing it with other people, um, other artists, friends, or, you know, someone that you think might be a good fit for it is always a better path to take than trying to hoard opportunities for yourself. Um, I just think that there's, it just comes around.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, and you're listening to the podcast all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. Today, we have the executive director of Root Division, a nonprofit focused in the arts here in San Francisco. Michelle Mansoor is joining us. She is a painter. She's been leading the organization at Root Division for the past 15 years. She has a wonderful story to share about her experiences and her path to Root Division and what they've been up to over these years. They're making such a big impact on artists and individuals in the community here in San Francisco. I'm so excited for you to hear the conversation. Before we get started, thanks to our partner, General Assembly. You can check out ga.co and use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout and you'll get 15% off any class or workshop. If you're interested in learning about marketing or UX design or data science, check out ga.co. Okay, let's get started. Michelle, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, it's so great to have you here. So you're the executive director of Root Division, a nonprofit here in San Francisco. Tell me a little bit about the organization.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Root Division is a visual arts nonprofit. What we do in terms of our mission is to empower artists, foster community service, inspire youth, and engage the community in visual arts. And the way that we do that um, primarily is that we provide discounted spaces for emerging artists in exchange for volunteer service back to the organization. So the artists, in exchange for getting uh, a below-market cost space, they each volunteer 12 hours a month, and they do that everything from helping us produce monthly exhibitions in our gallery teaching classes to adults. Um, and then one of the primary pieces of service that they do is we provide free art classes in nine after after-school community centers and, um, schools.
1: Wow. And what about your role as executive director? What is a typical day or week or quarter like for you?
0: Um, that's a great question. Uh, basically, I mean, we're a small but mighty team, so there's five full-time and one part-time. So, Really, my function is overseeing staff. So, you know, I have a human resources role, uh, overseeing sort of messaging and marketing and working with my communications person to to make sure that we're communicating about the organization, uh, financial stewardship. Uh, I do a, the bulk of the development work in terms of grant writing and donor cultivation and um, planning major events. And... Yeah. Just that? Yeah, just that. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny because sometimes we'll get calls and someone will say, Can I talk to the person in your accounting department? <laughs> and you go, <laughs> like, hang on. Yeah. Hello. I <laughs> put you on hold for a second. <laughs> but
1: but that that is sometimes the world of a of a nonprofit. Yeah, life. absolutely. You have to and wear a lot of hats. A
0: lot of hats. You know, a lot of learn by doing. Environment, um, yeah, I would say eighty percent of what I know and what I do, I've learned on the job. Wow! In the last ten years, yeah.
1: What's your favorite part of the job today?
0: Um, probably meeting people and connecting people. We do, I think, a really great job of bringing different types of people, different groups of people, into the space and. Not only connecting them with art, but connecting them with each other. And I've always been a really great hostess. And uh, so it's kind of a convergence of those activities is really bringing people together around visual art.
1: And how did you find your way to Root Division?
0: Um, that's a great question. I have been involved pretty much since the beginning. I'm not a founding member, but I was friends and colleagues, and still am. And we met in the MFA program at San Francisco Art Institute. Uh, and that was almost 15 years ago. So yeah.
1: And you're also a painter yourself, and you just went through this, you know, very long list of responsibilities you have (laughs) in your main role with Root Division. Um, how do you kind of balance the time between your own work and your role there?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a challenge and it definitely does require scheduling and, you know, charting out how I'm going to spend my time. And it also requires saying no, um, to, you know, every, every art opening or event or social activity that comes across the calendar is really blocking out time. I've, I tend to spend a good chunk of time on the weekends in my studio and focusing on my practice and actually more recently. And I I used to do this a lot more in the past, uh, but I try to spend about 45 minutes to an hour in the studio in the morning if I can, if I can schedule it in every day. Well, I mean, that would <laughs> in be an, an ideal an situation. Over, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it would be an overestimation for me to say every day, but yeah. And
1: what is your work like?
0: Yeah, so it's, or what's
1: kind of the yeah what, what's the kind of feeling or thought you're trying to convey to people who are looking at it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a in general an abstract painter. I'm working with acrylic-based paint and you know water-based materials. And I'm really interested in the space between science and spirituality. Uh, I grew up in a family of scientists and health practitioners, and uh, but at the same time, was also my mom was a very devout Catholic, and so there's always this real tension between how we know what we know and how we, you know, what we believe and um, faith versus knowledge, and uh, was very kind of a palpable. Uh, thing. And so the work started out really based in science and microbiology and sort of how cells coalesce into tissues and kind of a place of looking at micro and macroscopic and thinking about um, so the beautiful and the grotesque within the inner space of the body. And then at some point, That was, you know, what I was focused on in graduate school and my sort of thesis exhibition. And then right in the middle of that, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and, you know, fought a pretty tough fight uh, for about three and a half years through, you know, all kinds of treatment, et cetera. And so it really started, I really started to work with symmetries and balance and, and moving towards this space of, you know, being between science and spirituality and um, sort of what we can and can't control uh, in our own bodies and minds even. So really the, the work has moved visually towards being these uh, intersecting and overlapping ellipses and strands of cells that also reference prayer beads uh, the the physical, the beads, you know, quote unquote beads or cells come off the surface. I'm using an acrylic based silicone to, to do that. And there's a lot of intricate dot making and um, pattern making on the surfaces and it's repeated over and over and over. So there's a very meditative process to making the work. And then, you know, my hopes is that the The compositions and the subject matter and the sense of light and color will elicit a sort of meditational feeling.
1: And did you study painting in school, in college?
0: I did. Yeah. So my undergraduate was in art theory and practice as well as in art history at, from Northwestern University. But of course it's, um, you know, it's a bachelor's degree, not a bachelor's of fine arts. So, um, you know i took a lot of other there was a lot of other coursework in terms of philosophy and um uh, middle eastern studies and um you know and of course then all of the coursework for art history so i feel like i learned a lot about uh history and anthropology and sociology and politics actually through art history um, and had a really wonderful time at Northwestern in Evanston then. And then I spent some time in Chicago and did end up going back to school to do a post back in arts education at School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And that led me into teaching. And I did teaching, you know, K through 12 school um, at Francis Parker, which is a phenomenal Progressive school in Lincoln Park, um, which is a neighborhood in Chicago.
1: Focused on the arts or, or mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I was part of a five person art department. And I taught all grades, but you know, my focus was in the lower school, teaching mostly painting, drawing, printmaking, a little bit of sculpture and ceramics. Uh, but I did have middle school and I did have high school. And so, you know, it's a really amazing community and to go through the day. <laughs> um you know, I'd start out with nine-year-olds and then 12-year-olds and then 17-year-olds and, you know, <laughs> kind of ping-pong back and forth. And you learn a lot about how to speak to different levels and...
1: How to transition very quickly. How to transition you had to quickly. Like change your mind frame from Absolutely. Like moment to moment.
0: Just like educational philosophy and um, language and demeanor and... Um, so I think that's a little bit where the Changing Hats started for me as really, you know, teaching six or seven different lessons in the course of a day and however many in the course of a week. So,
1: so pretty quickly in your career, did you have an aim towards becoming an art educator or were you thinking originally of having a career solely as a fine artist?
0: You know, when I was in when I was in high school, I actually thought that I would go into science. Um, my dad's a physician, my mom was a nurse, uh, my sister's a physician, her husband, um, et cetera., et cetera.. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I really thought I was on I know I always loved, you know, anatomy, physiology, the sciences. I was good at, at it and good at math. Um, so I kind of always thought that I would go to med school. Uh, and take that, you know, sort of the pre-med trajectory. And it wasn't until, I was always creative though, and always had like a really intense curiosity about how things worked and making things. I liked to cook from a pretty young age and just like experiment with materials of whatever sort. Uh, I didn't have a ton of arts education in grade school, just, um, you know, it's a small Catholic school that just for whatever reason. I mean, priorities were elsewhere, but, um, did a lot of it at home. And then in high school had a really phenomenal, uh, art teacher, Jack Walther, um, really wonderful man. And just, I, I think I saw the possibilities and I really, he was such a great mentor, um, from so many different aspects. I think he was for, for growing up in a relatively conservative, homogeneous place, um, was very progressive without being pushy. Um, he traveled a lot, he and his wife traveled a lot and, um, you know, just really brought so much to every lesson and in terms of the art history and, and the cultural backgrounds and, um, of different art forms.
1: Yeah. And the opening I went to the other day, which was called wild, mm. which was fantastic. There was, there was a table of, of crafts Yeah, kind of in the back. Tell me about that and, and tell me about that show as well.
0: Yeah. So in general, just to kind of, uh, give a little background, we produce a second Saturday exhibition series. And so what that is, is the second Saturday of every month we have an event free and open to the public from seven to 10 generally. And the shows rotate, uh, on the month. So this particular theme, it was uh, guest curated by Marissa Aragona on the, th- the theme wild. And it's really about not only will like wilderness in terms of nature and the boundary of that you know, up against civilization, but also how we cultivate sort of inner space of our minds, sort of psychologically, how we create, um, boundaries between what's wild and what's, um, sort of more contained. So a really lovely show. We had a dance performance. Uh, we actually also have an additional, um, event coming up with more performances and dance piece uh, on August 12th from seven to 10 in conjunction with the exhibition. So, yeah. And I think, you know, one of the other things that's really nice about this show is it's 22 artists. And I would say a good half, if not more have previously shown in the second Saturday exhibition series at some point, you know, maybe it's been five, six, seven years ago. Uh, But it's really great to have the artists come back and to see the development in their work and to see how they've maintained their practice and how the themes have grown and expanded or evolved and are in conversation with, you know, a new, a new theme. So that's been really satisfying.
1: Hey, everyone, I want to talk to you about a little something you can do to help making ways podcast and it doesn't cost you a nickel or a dime or a penny or a hundred dollars it's actually free and will just take you a couple minutes and what i'm asking you to do is leave a review on itunes when you leave a review on itunes it's a really incredible way to turn more people onto the show so if you head over there leave a little note about what you like about the show or one of your favorite episodes It'll take a few minutes, and it's really an incredible way you can support the show. Thanks so much, and let's get back to the conversation. What's it been like to see artists now? You've been with the organization for so many years now. How, how has it been to see artists kind of develop and then go off on their own and thrive? And are there any good stories or artists that kind of pop to mind is like, wow, if we could have that kind of impact with every person who goes through the program, or even every other it's it's there's such um value there.
0: Yeah, I mean there's so many. We've probably I mean we've shown in the exhibition series about 1700 artists in we're we're about to celebrate our 15 year anniversary uh, at the end of this calendar year. So, yeah, shown quite a few artists in that time. We, I mean there's just so many incredible stories. I would say you know, to pick a, a couple, um, Susa Cortez is with, she's actually still with the organization as a staff member. She's our installations and facilities manager. She started out as our, um, we brought her to the Bay Area. She did her MFA at Heron, which is in Indiana, and came to us as uh, one of our Latino teaching artist fellows. Probably in 2013, and the fellowship pro- that fellowship program, we basically recruit two artists. We give them fully subsidized studios, teaching stipend, um, artist stipend, and in exchange, they're volunteering more time. You know, than the twelve, it's about twenty to twenty four hours in the month, and it's really specific. They're teaching a curriculum called My Two Homes at a newcomer school in called Mission Education Center. And it's for ki- kindergarten through fifth grade children who've recently immigrated from Latin American countries. They're learning everything in Spanish for the first year before they're mainstreamed into the rest of the public school system or language immersion schools. And so the fellows teach this curriculum, My Two Homes, entirely in Spanish, And it's all sharing and storytelling and art making around the transition of leaving a place, oftentimes leaving siblings, parents, grandparents, friends, belongings, pets, um, and what makes a new place home. And so there's a lot of sharing of traditions and legends and recipes and, um, you know, real effort on community building and bringing in parents and siblings also to the classroom. So it's a really beautiful curriculum. So she has, we actually kept her on for a second year while we, when we were transitioning from our space, um, which is a whole other story. (laughs) Um, and went through that program and then we offer, you know, she became part of the studios program after she was done with the fellowship. And now she is on staff, uh, still, you know, just a great educator. And she started this project of her own. Her work has always revolved around her hometown. And um, she immigrated here when she was, um, I wanna say, 10 or 11 years old to Delaware. And a lot of her artwork is about place and about her memories and, and traditions of her grandmother's home in Mexico, Guadalajara. And so she started this residency program this summer. will be the second year. She, they started it last year with actually another former Latino teaching fellow. So they've teamed up and they, it turns out they're from the same town. And so they wanted to do this project there and um, it's really great. So now they're partnering and bringing artists, you know, awarding residencies to other artists to go to Mexico for three weeks and working with the community last year they made a mural and they did some art workshops and incorporated some neighborhood and you know community history and so it's just really exciting to see the kind of community building and um uh that kind of work that she did so well for Root Division kind of Blossom into this other project, you know artist driven project,
1: and you mentioned this, but in San Francisco, there's obviously been uh, a lot of change and rent is going up and displacement is happening. and you all had to go through a transition yourself in terms of the space that you were operating in for years and years and recently had to move what happened there and and what did you do to kind of um, tackle the the challenge
0: yeah i mean it's it's been three summers ago now and so it's been a pretty intense three years you know we were kind of outgrowing our space but the rental you know the commercial and residential real estate markets were really starting to heat up and we thought you know it's just a terrible time to try to be looking for space (laughs) um And so engaged our landlord in trying to, we'd always been, we'd been there for 10 years in the mission on 17th street. And, but we'd always been in these one or two or three year leases. And we really wanted to go for a five-year lease because it would open up access to some city grant funding to do some space improve, you know, building improvements and, and the like, and kind of start engaging that conversation and became really clear that, um, the landlord, you know, the owners of the building just had a different idea about what they needed. And, um, you know, also were a nonprofit organization. And of course the building and the rents from it were, you know, it's the hugest asset. And so they needed to raise the rent and it went from a 40% increase to, something suggested that was much much more than that uh and you know we had enjoyed a subsidized rent for many years and a really wonderful relationship um you know tenant landlord relationship with them for many years and we tried you know we went around the table with negotiations so many times trying to find a number that wouldn't be Outrageous for us to meet, you know, with the programming that we were doing and had planned, um, you know, within the realm of possibility, and that would really help them also be successful. And we just couldn't find a number that worked. So... We ultimately were displaced from there the summer of 2014, so really our five-year plan became our now plan <laughs> <laughs> pretty quickly, and, you know, I think like one of the best, and it was really hard, uh, you know, we'd been there for a long time, we'd created all these partners with schools and community centers and restaurants and local businesses. And we really felt like the mission district was our home and just changing. And, you know, a lot was happening. A lot of places were getting, and people getting, you know, evicted and displaced. And we just, you know, we weren't really sure what was going to happen, but our our board and, you know, kind of core team really got together and had a um you know non-religious come to Jesus <laughs> around what we were gonna do like would we go dark would we go dim like would we move to the Oakland or you know space is just a really expensive and while we knew there were communities that we could serve if we were like out in the Excelsior or, In the East Bay, we just felt like it was really, really important to stay in San Francisco and really in the heart of San Francisco, that it was more than just like one organization and one space. It was symbolic of what was happening to the arts community at that time. And so we were up for the task and um, just really coalesced a lot of energy I think that, you know, the one of the most important messages and pieces of advice that we got during that period was um, a guy on our advisory council is in public relations, um, was working at Double Forte at the time and just said, you know, regardless of how upsetting and difficult and tragic it is. Um, it's so important to be positive and forward thinking, and we just took that on like as a mantra. Um, and it was, it was really difficult. It was really challenging. It was like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> we're never gonna find a space. But you know, the message that we released to the public and all of the response, you know, people were kind of like, Oh, it's so terrible. And what are you going to do? And you're never going to find a place. And, you know, there's a lot of negativity <laughs> that was coming and we were just like, you know what, we're going to figure it out. We've got a lot of people behind us and we're going to make it happen. And it's important and, you know, go. And, um, it just was the best. I think it was really the, one of the, the kind of singular things that helped propel us, Forward And so we spent we got a, found an interim spot on market between six and seven. So we spent about 14 months there. Continued. It allowed us to continue exhibitions to have a handful, you know, have about a dozen studio spaces for the artists, you know, so that we wouldn't so they wouldn't be getting displaced to continue classes. And just, you know, we were street right retail storefront um, on Market Street. So it was a great uh, visibility moment and I think also sort of the timing of it was it was a lot happening the city uh, so the supervisors were really trying to see what they could do to um, support organizations that were being displaced both in the so- social service and in the arts and set aside dollars for the nonprofit displacement mitigation fund and so, we basically were continuing programming pretty seamlessly uh we had we didn't skip a second Saturday we just felt like it was oh. our lifeblood you know it was how we stayed connected to the community and um you know it just ended up being the right decision to not go dark or not go dim or not close because people were coming to us and just, really responding to the positivity and really responding to the, the fight, you know, just being like fighters, I think. Um, but not in a negative way. And, uh, we ended up getting connected with a really wonderful property owner at 1131 mission, which is where we are and negotiating a long-term lease at under half of market rate. And it's just, it's, been you know a really intense combination of serendipity and hard work and um yeah positive vision to to get us where we are now we actually have since then we signed a 10-year lease and then since then the landlord has been so excited about what we're doing and really wanting us to succeed that he we've extended so we're in a 15-year lease so we're there through 2030, which is exciting. And yeah, so we moved in, we did a bunch of renovations, built out studios, classroom, gallery space. We moved in, in September of 2015. And so it's been almost two years in that space. And, um, yeah, exciting. A lot of work, <laughs> but very exciting.
1: Yeah, what an incredible story. I think the perseverance you showed the community and as an organization and the artists you work with is um, is really an example. Um, Thank you. So how about the art community here in San Francisco? Um, how has it evolved? How has it changed? And maybe how can people, everyday people and people who want to be part of the community or are, what's the best way to kind of be supportive of it?
0: In general, the way to get involved is just to get out and show up. I mean, there are are so many ways to be involved. I mean, the art community in San Francisco and the greater Bay Area is so vibrant. There's so much music and dance and theater and, you know, and readings, you know, literary work and, you know, and of course visual art that you could absolutely go to something every day or night of the week. Uh, and those are the things that help keep us going, you know, it's making small donations at the door or making, you know, more substantial donation, um, you know, as part of your philanthropic giving, um, throughout the year. And then, you know, the things that are enriching for you as an individual, I think, you know, we offer classes. So, um, you know, we have a lot of young professionals, especially that are coming in and, you know, sit in front of a screen all day long and just want to make something with their hands. So like a drawing 101 or a collage class or printmaking of some sort, just like getting out of your element a little bit and trying something new and... Um, and meeting people. It's a really great way to meet people.
1: And what's the advice that you give to maybe someone who wants to pursue a career as an artist and they haven't quite gotten started yet, or they're kind of stalling out and they're not sure which direction to go. And I guess what kind of motivation do you like to give those people or advice?
0: Um, it's a combination of things. I would say, you know, it's, It's not necessarily always the easiest path, but again, it's, it's just about doing, um, I think creating time in your life for your practice and being serious about it as something that is important to you. I think that's kind of the first piece. Um, I think the second piece is getting to know people and venues, you know, a lot of artists, young artists who ask like, oh, how can I get a gallery or how can I sell work? And it's, you know, well, it's probably not going to happen. You sitting in your studio all the time, you have to get out and meet people. Um, and you know, in a non-crass way, it is a lot about who, you know, because if someone doesn't know you, they're less likely to imagine that you might be a great artist. So, um, you know, I think that's, is always good. And, you know, doing your homework is visiting places and getting a sense of, you know, is this a place that is supporting the kind of work that I'm making? Um, if you're a figurative painter and the, you go to four or five shows and they're all abstract sculpture, probably not a great fit. So it's just thinking about, um, you know, thinking about it, some of those things in a practical way. And, and I would say, yeah, you know, building communities. I think that's one thing that Root Division does really, really well for artists is just providing this network because, you know, artists find out about opportunities and, and share them with each other or create opportunities. I mean, you know, if you just even look at Root Division where an artist created, organization. So there's no shame. And just if you can't find it somewhere is to create it yourself. Um, So I think that that's a a good piece of it. And I think, um, you know, this sounds a little hippy dippy, but (laughs) I always just feel like also a certain kind of generosity of spirit goes a long way. I think if, if there's an opportunity that comes along and it's not quite right for you, or even if it is, I think sharing it with other people, um, other artists, friends, or, you know, someone that you think might be a good fit for it is always a better path to take than trying to hoard opportunities for yourself. Um, I just think that there's, just comes around. Um, so, and I really feel that way about our, you know, root division as an organization and our move, I feel like we have given a lot to the artists, to artists and to the arts community and to the neighborhood. And that when, you know, when we hit this point of being in a time of need, (laughs) um, you know, and making this huge transition that the community was really there for us. So, Yeah.
1: Well, Michelle, thanks so much for joining the show. I'm so glad to see that Root Division is thriving and so great to meet you. So Thank thanks, you. thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Okay, that was my conversation with Michelle Mansoor, the Executive Director of Root Division. Please check out Root Division at their website, rootdivision.org. And Michelle, thank you so much for joining the show and sharing so much with us. They're doing such amazing work at Root Division. If you're in the Bay Area, I encourage you to check out one of their shows or see if there's a way you can participate, maybe even take a class. Thanks to our listeners. I love hearing from you guys. If you're interested in checking out more of Making Ways, visit our website at makingways.co where I have original illustrations of each of our guests show notes, articles that go beyond the episode and more. We're also on Twitter at making_ways and on Instagram at making.ways. And if you like what you're hearing on Making Ways, one of the best ways you can support the show is to go over to iTunes and write a review. It doesn't take too long and it's a really incredible way for people to learn about the show. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. You can learn more about TTO Productions at ttoproductions.com. Our intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've got some music by Jim also in the mix. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great week.